0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another bald move prestige film. This is a a commission podcast Uh, from 1993 to 1994. There are two movies made about the shootout at the OK Corral. Both featured amazing star studded cast. One, Wyatt Earp, a sprawling epic headed by Kevin Costner. I've seen exactly one time. The other Tombstone, I've seen at least 20. This podcast is about that film Tombstone, the 1993 epic western directed by George P. Cosmatos who directed Rambo 2 and Cobra he's also the father of filmmaker Panos Cosmatos uh known for Beyond the Black Rainbow and that crazy psychedelic Nick Cage Mandy movie you might have heard of it's also written by Kevin Jare Jere maybe Jerry uh Rambo known for Rambo First Blood Part 2 Glory Navy Seals and the Mummy um it stars lots of people. Kevin Costner, Val Kilmer, Michael Bain, Powers Booth, Robert Burke, uh, Dana Delaney, Sam Elliott, Stephen Lang, Bill Paxton, Jason Priestley is in this movie <laughs> right. randomly. Michael Rooker. Yeah, that's right. Daryl's brother's in this movie. Billy Zane. What is Billy Zane doing in this movie? I bet you want to know. Looking pretty. And the late, great Charlton Heston. Uh, this movie is commissioned by uh bald move, a fellow bald move fan. Brent, um, before we get into his dedication, like I said, I've seen this movie a billion times, Jim, how many, uh, what's your relationship with the movie and what'd you think?
1: This is the first time I've seen this movie, actually. Uh, I don't know why, like I remember 93, 94, where both of these movies, Tombstone and Wyatt Earp were coming out back to back and I've always conflated the two. And every time somebody mentions one of them, I'm like, oh, that's that four hour, (laughs) <laughs> uh, that, that's a four hour movie that the adults were watching back when I was 11 uh, about th- this shit so right, that, right. I've never really given Tombstone a chance because Wyatt Earth came out at the same time uh, and just ruined whatever weird mixed up image of it I had in my head uh, having watched it the second time uh, or, or for a, f- a first time nowadays I'm kind of bummed that I didn't watch it sooner because it's a really cool movie It's
0: like I said, I I love it. I think it might be my favorite Western. I'm not saying it's the best Western. Uh, That's a hotel chain, (laughs) but, but I'm not saying it's the greatest one ever made or anything like that, but I think it's my favorite one just to watch. And one of the reasons is because it's a quote factory. Like everything that doc Holliday says in this movie is suitable for quoting at various situations. Wyatt Earp is a quote machine. Um, mm-hmm. just like every, everything that they say is just like, I don't like, you know, how like, like, like 30s style gangster films have a certain kind of, you know, patter to them, like certain kind of like, ah, I see dahita heat bulging in your pocket there, you know, um, this feels like that only in the old west, like skin that smoke wagon and see what happens like I've never heard those words strung together and uh-huh. I don't know if those are authentic old timey phrases I'm your huckleberry. I'm your huckleberry you're a daisy if you do I don't know if any of that stuff is real but it feels real and it feels real cool um, I think that 90% of this movie's reputation is Val Kilmer's just amazing portrayal of this character of Doc Holliday
1: um and deservedly so no you mentioned like just a star studded lineup uh at the beginning of this thing you've you've probably rattled off 10 people's names that you've definitely heard of from the 90s and they've become even bigger stars now uh and yet somehow val kilmer the guy who really isn't a star nowadays uh ends up blowing them all off the screen like the only person who even stands Close to toe to toe with him uh, is Kurt Russell in what I would consider the actual starring role. But damn, I don't I don't think of Val Kilmer as being this exceptional actor, but as Doc Holliday, he is really really good. Yeah, I I I just forgot that in this
0: cast list I got off Wikipedia they leave off Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton uh, makes a
1: brief but but memorable appearance in this film. I mean, but yeah, Val Kilmer Malcolmson who plays Trixie in Deadwood like. you know you you listed 15 people there are still another five that you didn't list that you've definitely heard of right. so right, it's right crazy. and there's also like if you're a
0: real western aficionado they like a lot of like the people in the margins like the town marshal is some like famous stunt co- coordinator from 50s uh, uh, right. uh it's like a real like the more you know about westerns the more fun uh the the, the watch
1: becomes um there's a like relative said, of Wyatt Earp uh, in this movie, why yeah. don't the, the third is in this movie? Yeah. Uh, Terry O'Quinn yeah, yeah, yeah. who plays lock and lost that you didn't mention. So like, Oh Jesus, I forgot. Yeah. He's the mayor, mayor of the town. So uh, many people in this
0: movie. Like I said, I, I cut out quite a few, like, you know, um, I, or I read all the names, but there's tons more that just have like minor bit. Uh, it, it's just, it's amazing. They got this much, uh, wattage on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's just for my money, just a, just a really fun Western. Um, it's yeah. a, like, if you don't even like Westerns, it's kind of fun because, um, they don't really expect you to know much. Like I, and I, and I gotta say, like, I don't know, uh, if you want a deep dive into historicity of this film and whether it lines, I don't really, this isn't a podcast or this isn't a movie for it either. Cause from what I, what limited I know, um, amount of information I know all of kind of like the law fighter the lawmen, uh gunfighters of the old west, all the reputation is like built up larger than life. A lot of the lawmen and outlaws change places over time. Like at one point Wyatt Earp did dirty shit and then cleaned up his reputation became the lawman here. It was like like there's a lot of and and a lot of being a, a gunfighter in the, what the old west was just like your willingness to kill a person. Yeah. And then because most people weren't, you know, most people still down back then and even today are not willing to kill another human being. If you are, then you're in like the top one percent of like, I guess, human predators. And if you survive a battle or two, you're into like 001 percent of people who can keep your shit together and be calm and collected and still drill people under fire. And this film is like a collection of those guys all come together. And there is a lot of like there is a lot of truth to this. Like these people are. You know, like like the, the loose story of events that happened actually happened. And then they add a bunch of Hollywood magic to it. Um, this movie looks great. There is some mm-hmm. um, scenes of the Old West, like at sunset and at dawn that just make you, your jaw drop. Uh, it's it's an amazing kind of travelogue in that way. Uh, the dialogue is inspired. Um, this is kind of a cursed production that I think that Jim will probably be talking about later on. Um Maybe before I, we get too much started, I don't want to forget about our commissioner here because I've been wanting to do this movie for a long time. I've kind of been low-key up your ass to see this movie for probably 15 years. Uh-huh. It's finally happened here this blessed day on, on January 2021. Uh, commissioner Brent says, I was obsessed with this movie when it came out on VHS in 94. and At one point, I'm pretty sure I could recite every line of dialogue that Val Kilmer and Michael Bain had. Uh, that same year, I took a pretty miserable road trip with my mom, her boyfriend, and his four kids all crammed into one vehicle from northern Minnesota all the way to southern Arizona and back. The only highlight of that trip that I recall was getting to visit the actual Tombstone, which I remember being really well preserved. And the graveyard scenes in the movie appeared to have been shot there. And the table Morgan was shot on still there with his, the, the infamous blood stain. Supposedly, I was just 13 at the time, so I didn't really think the question of it <laughs> and just took their word on it. Um, one interesting production note I've read over the years is that even though he wasn't credited, Kurt Russell essentially stepped in as a director and saved the project after the first time director was overwhelmed and quit after about a month. Um, what do you want to start talking about first? Maybe I can give a little summary of the movie because, um, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, this is kind of spoiler free account of what it's about. Uh, Wyatt Earp, who at this time is already famous for his exploits as lawman in Dodge City, brings his two brothers and their families out to this Arizona boomtown called Tombstone to make their fortunes and hopefully settle down to live a quieter life. Unfortunately, Tombstone has been overrun by the red sash wearing gang of outlaws known as the Cowboys. Their reckless disregard for human life and decency seems destined to put them at odds with the Earp brothers who have have to decide between pumping this town dry for their own profit or standing for what's decent and right. You can probably guess, uh, the, the brothers opt for the latter, leading to one of the more epic tales of revenge and rough frontier justice that I've, I've ever seen. Um, where, where do you want to, the, the start, do you want to start with in the beginning, like the making of, cause it's, it's kind of
1: a tale all to itself. Yeah. Uh, there's a story around this. Um, so what I could gather, i have a, looked into it on a few sources and I found out that Kevin Costner was originally involved in this movie. Like from the very beginning, he he teamed up with two J- Jare. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, All right. He initially teamed up with, I- I'm going to say it, Jare. I don't know how to say this guy's name. Um, it's the Same. writer of the film, uh, teamed up with him and Costner and he worked on the, the story of, of the movie together and the script and everything kind of breaking breaking the story. Costner was not happy with the way it was going because he wanted it to focus on Wyatt Earp. I bet he probably wanted to play Wyatt Earp if I had to guess. He was like, I want this to be a really meaty role for me as I step into the Wyatt Earp shoes. And so he wanted to focus on Wyatt Earp's like family man to law man sort of transformation or journey. Whereas the Jare wanted it to uh, be more like action focused and be the relationship between Doc Holiday and uh, White Earp Mm. and so they never came to terms on that and so Kevin Costner said fuck it I'm going to go make my own movie
0: called White Earp with four hours of White
1: Earp (laughs) (laughs) right right and I'm going to star in it Uh, it's going to be me uh, the me hour uh, four of those so Kevin Costner, apparently, I don't know. He seems like a real asshole sometimes. We talked about him in Waterworld and how he was just a real stickler for everything, and he was right, right, insisting on all these things. And it turns out here, what happened is he went around to all the distribution uh, companies and said, "Hey, they've got this movie Tombstone. Fuck Tombstone. I'm coming out with Wyatt Earp. Don't distribute this film." And so no distributors in Hollywood would agree to distribute this film before they made it. Oh my God. And so production was like halted on this thing as they tried to find a a distribution house that would do this. Uh, Buena Vista, which was owned by Disney, I guess, was the only place that was willing to do it. So uh, they took it on. And then as a fuck you to Kevin Costner, when they started, uh, when they got the deal to actually do this and they started production, uh, the tombstone production studio went around and bought up all of the period piece costumes and props in Hollywood. Just rented (laughs) everything. So that Kevin uh, Costner had nothing to shoot with. And so mm. Costner had to go over to Europe to get the shit, to shoot Wyatt Earp because there was nothing left in Hollywood. Tombstone took it all. Wow. It's, and they beat him to market
0: too, I think, which is not too hard because Kevin Costner tends to, you know, just, just in this, this, I don't can't say about anything the other eras of Kevin Costner, but this era Kevin Costner, the Waterworld era, the Wyatt Up yeah. era, this guy, the Postman era, this guy kind of likes to blow budgets and timelines.
1: Uh, and, and it's a four-hour... Well, it's three-plus-hour movie. It probably... It, you know, and he was just getting it off the ground, whereas Tombstone had a head start. Yeah, I, th- I think it would have been hard for him to catch up. Um, but that's not really the ending of this, because there's a lot around the directing of this movie, too, uh, because this was right. supposed to be, as you mentioned... Uh, Jare's like first foray into directing. Um, yep. Not only was he going to write it, but he was going to direct it. So they got about a month into shooting, and he had just missed a lot of shots. Like, just didn't get the shots they needed at all. Um, yeah, first time director shit. Yeah, kind of, kind of blew schedule. it. Yeah. Um, so they kicked him off the project, or at least kicked him off the directing. And they brought in George P. Cosmatos, which, as you mentioned, is Panos Cosmatos' father. Um, to direct this thing, but it came out in 2005 after he died. That Kurt Russell started talking about this movie more, um, and Val Kilmer started talking about this movie more, and it it came out that Kurt Russell, according to Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer, uh, essentially directed this film and. That uh, Cosmetos was a ghost director for all intents and purposes, like, almost like Kurt, an executive producer, kind of like you know. Yeah, he was a good producer, doing budget but,
0: stuff and yeah, right, like, like but, getting like I guess he he had a lot to do with the prop, like
1: like period accuracy of props and things like that. So okay, yeah, like the the screen accuracy, all that kind of stuff, the, yeah. the history of it. Um, but it, it, Kurt Russell says he would like deliver shot lists for the next day every night. Because, you know, he was just like taking over this project, but he didn't want his name on it for some reason. And then in 2005, he comes out after the guy dies and starts saying all this shit. I don't know who to believe. Val Kilmer backs him up, um, says that he was basically doing it all. It's interesting because not only was he a ghost director on this film, but he has two other films which are pretty notable. Um, One of them being Cobra, which according to the Mm -hmm. cinematographer of Cobra, he was essentially a ghost director on that as well. Oh no. Um Cosmitose. And I saw in in another location that his other film that he did, uh Rambo 2, he was actually the reason he got cat or he got hired on Tombstone is because Kurt mm-hmm. Russell called up Sylvester Stallone and said, I need a guy to ghost direct this movie. Do you know anybody? And Sylvester Stallone was like, yeah, I got this guy who ghost directed Rambo, 2. You want him? And George ghost P. Cosmo's. And for me,
0: too. What the? Well, why would? Because Sly's directed his own shit and wrote his own shit. What
1: does he need a ghost director for? Right. I, I don't know, man. I don't know, but the, apparently, like the and those are the only three things that I recognize from uh, George Cosmatos' no, same, entire catalog. I, I I think he did some stuff over in Europe, some like Greek and Italian shit.
0: That's like yeah, yeah. you know, but like that's wow. You did so, you went way further than I did.
1: Wow. Apparently, he never really actually directed any of those high profile films that he did over here in America. I, I don't know how the oh, other ones God. went, but. He's the director version
0: of Tom Clancy. Just like how many books did you write anyway? Right <laughs> he's the director version of October. You bastard.
1: He's a William Shatner of directing, right? He, he writes all these writes, these tech war books, writes all of these uh, Star Trek, the return and shit. But Two he didn't mores. really write any of these <laughs> Rambo
0: tech Rambo. Uh, yeah, it's uh, wow. That is even more because I, I dipped a little bit into uh, but I heard that you were going like all in on the, the sword details and I'm like, OK, I'm going to choke up on this and go on to some other stuff. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. Um, and it's I do think it's kind of weird that they wait for this guy to die before they back up a dump truck full of dirt and like dump on his grave. Like or maybe that's like kind yeah. of like a not embarrassing him, but I don't know. Um, I don't know.
1: Also not letting him it, defend himself. Yeah, it, it feels a little weird and gross.
0: Anybody look at anybody look to see if there's any ghost riding dirt underneath Panos' fingers? Like, is the Nick Cage actually do Mandy? (laughs) This would actually make us start to making a lot more sense. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, The second generation ghost director, Panos... Um, what a job okay. though like I'll take that job if I can get it I'll be Kurt Russell's ghost director I'll be Sylvester yeah, Stallone's ghost director guys if it's that hard to find a ghost director I'll stop and and I'll, I'll swing by any set you want sit around say mm-hmm. everything looks good you guys are great Call you know, action every <laughs> once in a while say hey don't want to lose the light and uh, you know it's a gesture <laughs> to my imaginary watch like I, I I can do this I can do that I can do it for cheap man you'd be Hell surprised yeah. at how cheap I'll work um, I it's it's amazing with that big so like I guess Russell, uh, Kurt Russell is an amazing, uh, director because I think a lot of the stuff, a lot of these instinctual stuff, like, for example, that scene between Kurt Russell and Billy Bob Thornton, uh, they told Billy Bob just to improvise all that dialogue. It's like, just act like a wild west bully and Kurt, and you and Kurt will just kind of like get into it and like, I just think that's like there's many great scenes of a dude showing up like a guy who's who's, you know, all hat, no cattle, as they say Mm -hmm. in Texas. Uh, You've seen that a bunch. And this is like one of the all time great of just a guy. Humiliating another man into submission with the fact that, like, you know, like you're essentially you're you're only tough on people who are not tough themselves. Yeah. Uh, You know, don't even need a gun to do it. Can just go there, smack the cigar out of your mouth. Grab you by your ear, toss you in the street. When you come back with a shotgun, you, he comes back, and now you're backed up by the, the, even a more badass legendary gunslinger, Doc Holliday. Who I love the scene where they like it's like they just start talking, catching up, and Billy Bob's just kind of awkwardly holding the shotgun. And eventually, uh, Doc's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't uh, didn't see you standing there. You you can go now." And dismisses the Uh-oh. guy. It's <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I don't know where Billy Bob was at in his career. Because I like other than his voice, you wouldn't even recognize
1: him. Yeah, he's a lot thicker in this movie. He's uh, a lot
0: thicker. He's wearing like old timey cowboy outfit like you would you would imagine. Uh, he's like I said, his, his voice is definitely Billy Bob Thornton. Um, he, but he, he also plays uh, Sling Blade three years later. So that's kind of what. Oh, my on the God. Map. That was what put him on the map. So he's like thick in more ways than one in this film because he also plays like I always associate Billy Bob as like uh well maybe with the exception of Sling Blade as kind of like um a clever he's always a clever fellow mm-hmm. a sly fellow uh charming um this he's just like uh a fucking idiot he's yeah. a he, he's a he's a quick to slap idiot um but there's just so many things like that like the the you know, the technical details the period pieces. Um, the way they're able to there, the, some of these uh, shots of the old West, uh, some of the kind of tricky action. There's a lot, I mean, a lot of tricky gunfighting. Um, there's a lot of like, uh, technical horse riding and stuff that goes on here. A couple things Mm -hmm. where like, um, like when, um, Kurt and, uh, Dana Delaney ride down that like 45 degree steep hill. Like I just kept on thinking like, Oh my God, you guys are going to break your fucking necks. um, it seems like it's not something that a first time director nor like a, an actor kind of dabbling in directing would fuck with. But man, they, they really pull it off. The other thing is, because of all the dirty tricks played in the distribution and the Kevin Costner project kind of overshadowing this, this movie kind of came out to little. It, it made a lot of money despite it, but it kind of came out late in the year. Uh, Roger Ebert didn't even review this film. I guess he he did yeah. talk about it on the show, and he went and was constantly talking about the Doc Holiday performance, you know, uh, in 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 other film reviews. But you can't find one in the archive because he didn't get a review copy. Um, it it it's I don't know. Like it's consensus now the best Tombstone, you know, of the two films that came out about Wyatt Earp, it's the best Wyatt Earp film. But uh, it it kind of it kind of became that cult classic later on. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't but it wasn't actually nominated for any awards. Um Insane. Insane that Val Kilmer did not get like supporting actor.
1: Yeah. The only ones that did are like MTV, uh, with their awards. They were like uh you know, best whatever, probably like best mustache or something and like Yeah, yeah. Uh most, most desirable male, I think, is one of them that they did <laughs> back then. <laughs> Uh, Most impressive mustache to
0: Sam Elliott. uh, Yes. I mean, I I don't know. This is, I I was going to say, this is a a mustache tour de force, but Sam Elliott just shows up ready to play. Like he doesn't have to, there's no HGH or steroids involved. And he just shows up (laughs) swole, upper lip swole, no problem. Um, They also got a lot of like,
1: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say this uh, movie did better in the box office than wider. It was that was a uh, just like critical and um, financial failure. But yeah, this movie made like double its money back on a 25 million dollar budget. So yeah, not not um, terrible. I I can't believe they got all that st- that star power for 25 million. I mean, I guess back yeah. in like 93 they were kind of it was just like rolling into the big big salaries right for like 20 Plus, like, million they, dollars for Jim Carrey to do another movie or something right and and a lot of these guys were just complete unknowns
0: like Michael Rooker you know was just a big yeah. guy Jason Priestley you know was was I still in the middle of 90210 I think uh, uh you know Bill Paxton was a genre guy mm-hmm. uh you know no one knew who the hell Stephen Lang was like uh, you, in fact uh the only thing I've ever, I've seen him in a bunch of different stuff, but the one that sticks out in my mind is, uh, the blue people movie, uh, avatar. avatar. Yeah. He plays the, he, and he plays like a fucking buffoon in this movie and he plays like a, a real cold calculating tough dude in, in avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dana Delaney was like small screen. So like, you know, her, I, I feel like they got an powers booth. Same way is more of a, a, a small screen kind of guy. um, yeah, Kurt Russell and Sam Elliott. I guess is is probably the the two biggest names. So and no, it's Kim western because at at the time westerns were kind of still kind of like oh this is kind of old timey. I know Un- Unforgiven I think was made two years before, which is probably why you had some of these westerns greenlit. But westerns kind of like yeah. you know a throwback kind of like making a musical today. Like oh okay we'll see how it goes. Um but it it all, like I said, it it comes together to be much more than the sum of its parts, which are already kind of formidable. I really mm-hmm. like to some of the, the old the touches to the details, like everyone spits tobacco. It's kind of disgusting. Yeah. Like they're always spitting tobacco, wiping tobacco juice on on their uh, on their <laughs> sleeves, uh, wiping it out of their mustaches. The sh- like in the saloons where everyone is showing their appreciation for like a, a good piece of dramatic act- acting by just firing up into the ceilings because i guess it never rains in arizona so why the (laughs) fuck not um the details of like uh i really liked the uh film within a film they do this production of faust and they show like the the lighting guys like shaking this like amber liquid to give it kind of like an un you know some 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 surreal lighting um I really like the uh, the mortuary the mortuary work of these guys that were slain at OK Corral. Like they're all d- d- done up like very howdy doody, and I, I guess that's you know very yeah. very accurate as well. And their glass coffins, um, yeah it 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 felt real. Like the when the Earp brothers are all riding into the tombstone tombstone in the very beginning, you're going through all the different hotels and saloons and mining things. It does look like a booming frontier town. Like it looks lived in, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I I thought it was really cool. Also, they take it, it. This is kind of a gangster film, you know. They made out like in, in the narration in the beginning. Which what do you think of that intro? That I always forget that that intro is a part of the movie, and it starts up with the old timey stuff and the like stilted narration telling you like it's kind of like the opening crawl in Star Wars, only Wild West. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? You don't need, but they make that analogy that like, this is essentially the first organized crime in America. Mm-hmm. These guys that got together, they were former, I think they were like old civil war vets and outlaws that were wanted back East. And just these got gang and their wells And, uh, the, that, that kind of ran, ran shop out there when there was very little law and conflict between what was town law and County
1: law. And it's still a territory, not a state. Um, yeah, it, I, I it, liked it. Um as far as like providing some context, I think it was almost necessary. Um you know, it, it identifies the red sashes prominently so that every time you see them, you know, okay, these are the bad guys. It also does a little character uh foreshadowing for Michael Rooker's character, whose name I don't know, to mm-hmm. later join up with Doc Holiday and White Earp, um and you know, turn against the Cowboys. Uh it, i I think it all works. And it establishes, you know, Powers Booth, which, which is interesting um, because I thought based on that opening scene that Powers Booth, his character, I don't I don't know his name in the movie. Curly Bill. All ah, right. Curly Bill uh, was going to be the main villain. But it turns out that Michael Bain's character is really more of a main villain. Johnny, whatever his name Ringo. is, Johnny Ringo, because um, c- they they pretty unceremoniously kill uh curly bill and then Mm -hmm. it it changes focus over to uh johnny ringo and i was surprised by that but i guess that's got to be some historically accurate thing right because neither of them were at the shootout at the or the gunfight of the okay corral which surprised me that you wouldn't have that big moment be sort of the culmination the climax of the movie but if that's how it happened in real life i guess i didn't want to stray too far from that
0: no, it's really cool how the, you know, the the gunfight at the OK Corral is kind of like uh, a transition from like first act to second, you know, yeah. uh, and then culminating the kill like the, the, the killing of Curly Bill it then sets off the final arc of, of Ringo. But I, I guess Johnny Ringo was like Curly Bill's lieutenant. So and, and you're right. And like, they also play fast and loose because I, 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 I did a little bit of research and I guess uh, it's widely thought that Johnny Ringo killed himself. Like you know, uh, he hmm. he he, suicided himself. I guess at this spot where they had the the, the duel, but it wasn't at the hands of Doc Holiday or Wyatt Earp. Um, but yeah, I, I thought like narratively, this show, this film had a lot of cool structure. Like they set up these guys raiding this Mexican town, and you know, uh, killing these these lawmen, these Mexican lawmen that had the temerity to try to like rein in their activities. It's a, it felt very much out of something out of Narcos where they mm-hmm. ride in like, Oh, you think you're this and that. And it's during a wedding. They kill everybody. They have This pre spit this curse. That's a sick ass quote from revelation about a man riding a pale horse coming and death, bringing him. And then that leads up Kurt Russell, like kicking off the, the epic tale of revenge and the, the back half of the movie screaming words to that effect that like, you want the thunder. Well, now here it is. You yeah. tell him. you run you cur tell him that tell him that I'm coming. And death's coming with me. It's it's hell's it's coming with me. Yeah. Hell's coming. with Yeah. No, like so they, they they have all these kind of like through lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a perfect film. Uh, no. The real the big flaw that I have is the fact that they try to do anything with Wyatt Earp and his wife's relationship. Like, yeah. you know, and like it's like she's set up so that you won't feel too bad when he just up and leaves her, you know, sure. And and then when the find the film's narration lets you know that, oh, she actually died of opium addiction. You saw that coming, right? It's totally cool. The herp just kind of left her for this hot actress lady. Like she's yeah. just set up there to be a bitch. That's like a stick in the mud and, and and drinking laudanum and and all that. um And it just like every time she's on the screen, the like movie comes to a screeching halt. Uh
1: and yeah, I, they, they do the bare minimum with her, but I think, like, there's also a, a theme of, like, their relationship isn't all that, you know, you might want it to be, right? Like, it's apparent yeah. that she's drinking this stuff, um, sedating herself and drugging herself because, you know, he's never around, but that that's probably, like, well, he's also never around because she's doing this, and, like, there's this cycle, right? And I don't know who started yeah, it, I don't know how right. It, right. it started, but... And Clearly, it's feeding back either. into each other no yeah, it's it doesn't like the
0: movie doesn't care to find like tell us like is this a story of them used to be in love and love cooled off or is this a story of like you know uh he she he kind of settled and she realizes that and it's like but it 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 really doesn't um there's a couple i mean it, it feeds a couple of clever lines i really like the thing where doc holiday is kind of goading him at the bar it's like oh what would you do? it's like oh you're faithful to your wife what would you do if this hot devil lady shows up and he literally turns a cold shoulder on him and he comes back it's like uh what 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 was his uh, quote about uh uh I stand corrected Wyatt. you are an oak. Uh <laughs> uh-huh. I, lo- I love quoting that anytime I see family or friends uh resisting temptation.
1: And I mean, he's, uh, he stands corrected through the whole movie, you know? Um, it's only at the prodding of Doc Holliday on his deathbed that he ever even considers, I think, the idea of going off with J- Josephine. Is that her name? Yeah, Josephine, the devil. Uh, leaving lady. his wife for Josephine. Although I will say, I. I will take like you know the story of his wife and him being the weakest part of this movie and extend it even further because I don't think the love story between him and Josephine is very good either. I, I think that first that too, yeah. scene where they meet on horse, the meet cute they have in this movie is atrociously yeah. paced, atrociously set up, and mm-hmm. th- the entirety of it just feels like this unreal dream state that I keep expecting any moment I'm going to be jolted out of and it's going to go okay. Well, things couldn't possibly have happened that way. It's like the most extreme version of a meat cute that you can mm. imagine in the Wild West. It's not even a meat cute. It's a. Uh,
0: it's like a. It's a Wild West porno setup. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, your mare's in heat. Oh, my my, my horse wants to mount it. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to run it out of him. Got to Got to we'll have to work up a sweat. Have to. It's it's <laughs> the, yeah, the ADR I, is
1: bad. Like they're dubbing over all these lines, and it just it doesn't because nothing adds worked. to that unreal quality like they end up in a field yeah. of flowers underneath the trees where like okay right. maybe flowers can grow there but like they seem almost hand placed yes. in the shot it's all yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah too fake for me none of it feels it good.
0: is it i don't think dane delaney and kurt russell have particularly good chemistry also it, it fucks with the flow of the movie because this movie is about doc and Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 why it's friendship and the movie is over when Doc dies like that is yeah. the climax. That is the not even the climax. It's the coda to the movie. um But I guess you have to have Doc send him away to do something. And there is. But but that's what I'm saying. Like this movie, uh, I might pass the Bechtel test only because there's a brief scene of one woman asking another woman for a bottle of laudanum for her headaches. Sure. And it's not technically about a man. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they're they're just having a a conversation, just us ladies, about how our our husbands are so miserable. We need opium to get through today. But like, yeah, this movie is not interested in, you know, like, in fact, like when Dana Delaney shows up, it's essentially uh, a monologue of I'm not like other girls. Uh, And Kurt Russell, like, I like you because you're not like other girls. Um, Yeah, I don't know. like. I don't. I didn't need any of it, and it's. I don't know. This movie, this movie's not overly long. It is slightly over two hours, and I do feel like that maybe the movie would be stronger if it had those fifteen minutes out of it. You could still have the acting troop because um, I thought some of those scenes were pretty good, but um, the whole thing. Because also, there's this love triangle between her and behan Like behan's yep. ever going to be able to win, get over on widerp on anything, and there's there's a lot of like weird stuff with the town politics. I think they could have done more on like, you know, you got this mayor that's constantly asking these famous, you know, fearsome lawmen. They're like, Hey, can you give us some help with this fucking gang problem? They're like, Nope, too busy making money. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Like the conflict between the County law versus city law and this guy who's like Mm -hmm. the Craven city, sheriff who's also just lining his bed with all these feathers like yeah i'm also on the town realty commission and i'm the chamber of commerce like i i actually like that character and he needed more to do than just to be impotently angry that he can't win this actress's affections over you know the
1: badassness that is kurt russell um, yeah like after the the gunfight he comes out and he's like i'm arresting all for you that's such and a great they're like no nah, you're not Nah,
0: yeah. <laughs> no B hand. Don't think I'm going to let you re- arrest us today. It's uh- <laughs> so good. Um, and I think the thing that really shines best about this movie other than Doc and um and Wyatt's relationship is the dialogue. And I guess a lot of his dialogue comes from contemporaneous historical sources, like reports from the actual gunfight. Uh, like when that one guy says, I'm going to get you Doc Holliday, you son of a bitch. And he says, you'll be a daisy if you do quote from a newspaper headline about the shootout, uh, biographical details, like, um, apparently when Doc Holliday dies, he asked for a, a shot of whiskey, he drank it, and he, he said, uh, you know, well, it isn't, isn't that funny, and then died, and they worked that dialogue into this film, um, I, I it, like I said, just this, just the, all of the different phrases and stuff they say uh, and gunfights, um, like, the, and, and I, I guess I really like the stuff between like Johnny Ringo and uh, Doc Holiday, you know, like yeah. they jo, uh, Johnny oh Ringo is God. the up and comer. Doc Holiday is kind of like past his prime. Uh, just essentially trying to do the, uh, the, the leaving Las Vegas plan of like, I'm going to drink yeah. and smoke and gamble myself. Cause who the hell wants to dive consumption in some kind of ward? I'm going to dive my boots on and trying and failing to do that. But they're like, yeah, when they're square off and they realize like they hate each other because they're very similar to each other. And that kind of fuels um, that. uh, It fuels the scene where, like, you know, after the first epic killtage and Doc's having, you know, going through his illness and Johnny Ringo calls out Wyatt Earp. That whole scene, like, I remember seeing that for the first time in the movie and I was thinking, like, Jesus Christ, how's Wyatt going to do this? They're telling me that. You know he's gonna die at this gunfight. What that's gonna look like, and then mm-hmm. you know Doc Holiday saves
1: him. I, 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 I just love every little bit of that. Um, yeah, those confrontations between Johnny Ringo and uh, Doc Holiday are two of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. When you know he's like you said, he's calling him out uh, wider. Pieces don't even. You have the guts to play for blood. In the streets, Val Kilmer, yeah. well, you know he he's standing over there, leaning against a pole or whatever, with his hat down, and uh-huh. <laughs> looks up. I'm your Huckleberry. That's it's Blood, such a good that's line. J- just my game, and uh-huh. then
0: like the, all the, and then like as you just it builds up all this respect because you don't they, they they have a pretty badass scene of Doc Holliday getting to drop on some tub and you get the idea that like maybe doc holiday cheats at cards and maybe he cleans out towns as he goes, but you never really see him like draw down on somebody. It's just a threat. And you kind of wonder mm-hmm. like, is he as good as they say he is? And the, it's it, it, the whole movie, you just, you just live, you just build up to uh, his legend. Even like when, you know, Johnny Ringo respects him enough that like, he doesn't really want any part of, of holiday as drunk as he is in that one scene. But oh, he keeps on prodding him. And then he's like, all right, longer, let's go. And like all the cowboys just tackle him like, oh, no, no, he's drunk. It's OK because <laughs> nobody wants any part of holiday. And then every time, like, you know, you get to see him like in this, you know, mass shootout. But that one on one scene um, uh, of him and Ringo, that's mm-hmm. another thing. Like this movie just builds tension effortlessly. Yeah. Like, I love when the Erp boys go and, and and Doc go to shut down the OK Corral thing, and they're just showing these, like, intense, like, just everybody's, all you can see is their eyes and their mouth, and they go to all the different ones, like, Bill Paxton, he's the young kid, he's nervous, Sam Elliott's resolve, uh, Wyatt doesn't even want to be there, and fucking Doc Holliday winks at one of the dandy guys to kind of, mm-hmm. like, egg him on, and then Kurt is like, oh, my God, as he <laughs> knows... That's the part on the roller coaster where the hill's going to. God, it's so good and really well staged action. Yeah. One other criticism. I wish they don't pay any attention
1: to how many shots are shot from these these six shooters. Like, you know, know, I wasn't either, though. Uh, I am a lot of the time, but I got lost in the just the whole vibe and the tension of it. And it looks cool. Like when Doc's like fan firing, pow, 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 pow.
0: And yeah, he's saying such sick shit. Like the one guy, like, you know, everyone's always constantly like it, you know, cause he looks like he, I can't, if you've never seen this movie, Val Kilmer looks like he's always five minutes away from dying. And he's every scene he looks worse, man. Paler His eyes men. are rimmed red. He's yeah. paler, sweatier, sweat, <sighs> And like a drunk, a lot of times, like super fucking Mm -hmm. drunk that once where a guy's like, you know, I think we can take Doc Holliday. He's so drunk. He's seeing double and he pulls (laughs) out the second gun. That's all right. I got a gun for each of you. Uh It's So it's it's just so good. And honestly, all of the confrontations like I fucking Ike Clanton. It chaps my ass every time. I see this movie and they let him get away because he starts so much shit. He's like that little dog in the Tom and Jerry movies. It's always like bouncing around the two big and tough dogs, you know, like uh, curly bills trying to like talk shit to Wyatt Earp to see if he's there to be a lawman or if he's there to deal cards and Wyatt Earp's like, that's rat," right. Or no, Ike's like, that's rat right, Law dog. We don't take kind of your law dog shit. And like, you know, Kurt Russell's like, yeah, I heard you the first time Ike, you know, as he's still dealing cards. Mm-hmm. But he's so fucking craven because like he's talking mad shit because he's surrounded by his buddies when he's trying to get like to drop on Kurt after they shot the town sheriff. And he draws his gun and puts it right in Ike's head and is like, Yeah, your guys might be able to get me, but not before I turn your head into a canoe. And the cowboy's like, Oh, he's bluffing, and Ike's like, No, he ain't. He ain't bluffing. <laughs> and like, he does that move like three separate times, like pulls craven. Yeah. And they let him get away with it. And I just wish they drilled him. I wish when he threw that sash into the air, they just went ahead and shot Mm -hmm. him anyway. Cause fuck Ike
1: Clanton. Yeah. He's an instigator. Uh, You know, half of the shootouts happen because he's there pushing people's buttons. Um, Yeah. uh, That scene, you know, when they're in the, the, the lounge, I forget what it's called. Um, You know, the one, the one where he goes and throws Billy Bob Thornton out. Takes oh, over, yeah, yeah. And the sal- the, the start whatever the still star- saloon is, yeah. It's probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. It's when Johnny Ringo comes up to the table and he's ch- twirling his guns, you know, like Michael Bain must have practiced for yeah, hours and hours. I guess to do they this all did. because some I of that shit y- you just couldn't do the fakery in '93, right? Like where there's doing wide shots and he's like flipping it sideways, yeah. Michael Bain's doing a lot of that, and then. <laughs> Doc Holliday Val Kilmer takes his glass which he's been using his little shot glass thing and uh-huh. he's doing the same tricks with it spinning it around and then holstering it and it's it's just so funny and and it gets it doesn't so I see this as an insult right I see this as like mm-hmm. oh you think you're so fancy twirling your gun around that's all just show and look oh I can do it and make you look stupid too with my my stupid glass he backs off Johnny Ringo backs off at that point. I'm not actually sure why exactly why that doesn't just piss him off even more. And I don't know if it's because like, uh, you know, Ike's there, um, you know, instigating shit or like Curly Bill's there to like calm him down or something. But They just walk off. I've seen this movie a ton of times,
0: and I think about this. There's a couple of scenes I think about because, like, I, it's also another brilliant way to build attention. Because, like, Johnny and Doc kind of want to kill each other in this scene, mm-hmm. but there's two things worn against it. Number one, like, I think the balls in Doc's court. Like, they have this back and forth and talk about like if they hate each other, and then they quote Latin each other, and then it's tense. And like Ringo pulls the gun, If he kills Doc Holiday. It's like there hasn't, you know, he'd probably go to jail because he's in front of a bunch of, you know, um, but he holsters the gun. He does all that thing to kind of show doc. If I wanted to, I could plug you. And then doc, you can see kind of like finishes drink. And like, everyone's watching, like you can hear a pin drop in his bar and he starts up his like shot, you know, his, his uh, silver shot glass routine. And it's like the perfect. And, and, and man, they build attention. So what? Well Cause you see Kurt Russell, like grab the shotgun underneath the table and start swiveling it. Like, God, everyone's going to die here. Yeah. But, Doc has the only way he can get out of this without a confrontation and save face. And he pulls it and you can see on Johnny Ringo's face. I think Michael Bain does a great job of playing this guy who thinks he can kill everyone in the room, but he's really not sure about Doc Holliday and he doesn't really want to go to hell yet. Uh, right? Like every single time he tries, every single time Doc confronts him and it happens three times in a movie, he always tries to back down until there's no way out in the final uh, confrontation. Yeah. And Doc not only kills him, but like does it like like as, as much as they built up Ringo that he no one can, you know, like like he plugs him in. He does it so easy and so quick and then talks mad shit as the guy's dying. Uh, it just it just it's a way of like just continually amping up the pressure and is letting it bleed. But I, I guess it's because also like the reason Doc backs down is that he doesn't want to wreck his friend's saloon, you know? Mm-hmm. So like Johnny doesn't really want to call out holiday. And Holiday doesn't want to come, but he also doesn't want to like look like a a, a weak person. So I, it's it's great, it's great cowboy psychology. I felt like um, there's this there's this quote I found that Wyatt Earp said about Doc Holiday when he heard that he had died, um, and this is from a contemporaneous source. He says Doc was not a dentist nor a lawman, or Doc was a dentist, not a lawman or an assassin who necessity had turned a gambler. A gentleman whose disease had made a frontier vagabond, a philosopher whose life had made a caustic wit, a long, lean, ash blonde fellow, nearly dead of consumption. At the same time, the most skillful gambler and the nerviest, speediest, deadliest man of the six gun that I'd ever knew. And Val Kilmer, like embodies every single word of that description. Uh, Except maybe the and blonde. <laughs> I thought he was kind of ashy blonde kind of. Uh, I mean, you don't, you don't really you don't see his you don't see his hair very often because he's covering yeah. that that black hat. But uh, yeah. Yeah. No, Val I, Kilmer is outstanding job. in this movie.
1: Like I, he wasn't super well known at the time. Like he was going to go on to do things like the Saint later. He did Top um, Gun
0: like, he, you know, that's probably what he's most famous for. Um, yeah, for uh, sure. What's that? That real science like nerd movie, you
1: know? Uh Yeah. I'm Uh, what what was that called? It wasn't weird science. It was like real genius. Yeah. Oh, real genius. That's I said real science. That's what. Yeah. Um, but but no one knew he was
0: capable of something like you know this kind of like, you know, method type of acting. Like,
1: no, that's the thing. I like I see that, and he's great in Top Gun. You know, he's an asshole. He's a villain. He's everything he needs to be. But then, like, you look at his performance in Batman uh, Forever, and it's such a wooden just like stick of a performance that I wouldn't have guessed he was really going to be this good just a couple of years earlier. And it must be down to directing, right? They told him, OK, you're playing this very uptight guy. But you look at like Michael Keaton's performance as Batman. He's a thousand times better. He's got more he's charisma stuff. Yeah. on yeah. the screen in his little finger than Val Kilmer has in his entire body, his entire cowl. Uh, <laughs> It's it's remarkable like how good he is in this compared to something like Batman Forever. Well, I,
0: I do think it's it's all about like did he respect the project? Did he respect the people making it? Uh, I imagine Joel Schumacher. No, none of those. Like yeah, he didn't really care mm-hmm. about anything. And then uh, also like if you want to see a Val Kilmer performance, you gotta check out The Island of Doctor Moreau. where he and uh god who's uh marlon brando are having a who can give the fuck least contest like who (laughs) and like who can bully the director into bizarre more bizarre like they they i feel like they collaborated to just terrorize whoever made that that poor movie because it's just bad choice after bad choice after bad choice um and Mm -hmm. i i do think it's like yeah it was up to whether i don't know how they got like because i I like the Saint. I wonder if that holds up. I really remi- have good fond memories for the Saint. Yeah, me too. Um and you got this performance and he's done he's done some other like good work, but it's I guess garbage in, garbage out, and he really I mean, believed I like him in, in this, in the this project. Oh yeah, he's really good in that too. Uh so if you respect the material and the people he's making it with, then uh you probably got a good performance. If not, he just would, you know, either not show up or run roughshod over you. Yeah. Um
1: God, they originally wanted the Willem Dafoe
0: to play that character.
1: Do you know that? That
0: I, yeah, I did. And that uh, he was a radioactive because of Passion of the Christ and all the protests around that. So,
1: oh, uh,
0: the, wow, the Buena Vista, the Disney company said they didn't want any part of him. Um, uh, so they brought Val Kilmer. I think Dafoe
1: would have huh. been a pretty good, pretty good Doc Holiday to be honest. It, 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 wait, it couldn't have been Passion to Christ, right? That's two thousand four. The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, I'm sorry, the Last Temptation of Christ. I was other, gonna say the, that makes yeah. way more sense.
0: Um, and and it's every like he is hilarious and awesome in every scene. Like when he's egging on Ike, you know, he's just taken Ike to the cleaners and embarrassed him, probably cheating on cards. And he's at at the end when he calls him and 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 cleans him out. It's like. That's okay. I maybe poker just isn't your game. I know. Let's have a spelling contest. He's just like, I just, some of the stuff he says is, is just legendary and so funny. Um, Here's another thing that I'm not so sure about. Curly bill goes on an opium binge and then starts terrorizing the town. Mm -hmm. I don't think opium works that way. I don't think, like alcohol. Absolutely. He storms out really drunk in a bad, in a dark mood, but like opium, I feel like he just passes out in the den. He doesn't come out and start shooting up the town and murdering the town sheriff and, and, and all that. I I wish they'd come up with a different inciting incident than, Oh, Mm -hmm. those dirty Chinese and their opium tents.
1: you know, the the devil's devil's poppy. Um, We're sure the alcohol, just totally acceptable. Normal drug for people to be yeah. using constantly. Yeah, that's 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 not a problem. That's an American drug. Mhm. Mhm. Uh yeah, Actually, well, let's talk a little about wider um I I love a lot of his lines too, right? Um you talked about the tell him I'm I'm coming and hell's coming with me. Um I I like in the beginning of the movie they set him up as like this guy who's coming into town to make some money. He's already Got a reputation um, from he's his done good. stuff in Dodge City, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and he's he's coming in. He says, "I somebody says I I don't know any rich men with without a guilty conscience or something like that." And he says, "I already got the guilty mm-hmm. conscience. Might as well have the money too." Great Screen. line. Uh, there's one scene where I'm not certain it works for me. Uh, what Kurt Russell is doing and the dialogue that he's given. It's where he walks out in the the miracle scene, right where he just. He walks into the middle of this river when he's surrounded on all sides by the shooters, by cowboys, and he's just screaming, no, 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 no. Like, I get what they're going for. Like this miraculous, you know, Pulp Fiction-esque, we should be dead kind of thing uh, and and building his legend. But the dialogue there, just him saying no over and over, came off as funny to me in a moment where I really didn't want it to be. I think if they... If they edit, because
0: I I believe, especially it's it's actually really especially the weapons at the time. It's really hard to hit people, especially in the in in the moment where people are trying to shoot you. And you know the the bullets weren't as good, the sights weren't as good, the guns themselves weren't as good. People, you know, these aren't like hardened soldiers. They're just people that like have a reputation for shooting each other. Uh, it's kind of like you know like in The Wire, like how hilariously. Mm-hmm non-menacing a lot of those gunfights are it's just people trying to like they ah, God, and cringing and like shooting and they're not even aiming and shit so it's like I kind of believe it but yeah like if they if the nose are more powerful if they were paced more properly and if they did a little bit more editing to bang the nose where it's like this guy's like okay I'm gonna yeah. get all my friends killed unless I turn the tide right here right now and almost like call out single hand like the challenge curly build a single combat mm-hmm. but you're right it it doesn't exactly work um
1: i feel like it's one of those 90s things where it's just like they don't 90s movies never quite hit the highs of the drama that i think we're hitting now um you know filmmakers get better at making films they refine these stunts yeah yeah moments um and for me yeah just like the the camera work and the dialogue and the acting are all just like barely able to string this scene together Um, whereas nowadays Mm -hmm. I think you put this in the hands of uh, you know a a non ghost director somebody who's like there for the for the fucking job not not Mm. because they need to do it Uh, I, I think you get a much better performance in this scene or much better result the other thing
0: that I don't, I think doesn't quite work, especially the more I watch it, the more it bothers me. Is just how dumb the earth brothers are after the okay corral when they know that the Cowboys are gunning for them. And like Virgil just walks home alone. And yeah. on the night of Virgil gets shot, like Moore goes to cool off at their saloon. And he turns his back to this big picture window. Like as he's shooting pool. Now, I think it's because hist- they wanted to get the historical details of that right, and in yeah. real life, the Cowboys bided their time, kind of laid low for five months, let the Earth brothers get comfortable, and then. Whereas this movie, they have to make it feel like bang, bang, bang. These things just happen, happen, happen. Mm-hmm. So, like they, the 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 brothers look stupid because they got canonically shot in these situations. Well, the reason they were stupid is because. The cowboys let him get comfortable and, you know, you're going to you're going to live on a hair trigger the rest of your life. But right. it doesn't quite work. However, as much as I talked about how limited the women's roles are, there's a couple things that, like, I think are effective. Like they really sold like Sam Elliott and his wife, you know, how much he loves his 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 Irish wife. And that scene where, like, he his doctor tells him he'll never be able to use his arm again. And he hugs his wife and says, that's okay. Ellie, I'll still love you with my one good arm. I thought that's like, it's all, that's always, I, I think that's, that's sweet. And mm-hmm. they do bill Paxton. Like, it's so funny. Cause they, they keep, sh- they keep going from like all these like chiseled dudes, like Kurt Russell and fucking Sam Elliott. And, you know, almost on death door doc holiday. And then you've got like a Thomas Hayden church and, all these like tough dudes. And then it keeps on going like the bill Paxton. He's kind of like chubby and his mustache isn't very good. Aww. And he's nervous and unsure of himself. Well, I mean, that's kind of what he does. Like he plays like the
1: guy, <laughs> he plays a little is... pile of garbage at one point. Doesn't he in this movie? No. Oh no. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pro- Probably, probably. But like,
0: um, they gave him a little yeah. through line that he's like the baby brother, and you know, he's kind of like ponders the mystery of life. They had this throwaway line about, like, what do you, you know? I had people say that uh, you see a light when he die, and when he's dying, and and he says, Hey, Wyatt, those people are full of shit because I can't see a damn thing right before he dies. Like, that always gets me too. Like, your baby brother dying your arm, calling back this conversation you guys had when you first came to town and your head was full of dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do a really good job of using what sketches they did. Cause like these, like Bill Paxton has maybe five minutes of, of, of screen time. Uh, they, they really do sell kind of that. And it really fuels the, the epic revenge because this has got one of the most well-executed kiltages of any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like they, they, they do two different, like five minutes, like quick shooting, like, and there's all really great stuff. Like, they go in an opium den and like the cowboys are passing each other a pipe, and Wider puts his like long 10 inch Colt 45 barrel, and the guy puts it in his mouth, and yep. like there's some really sick shit going on this this like leaning off the horse side saddle shooting, uh, him and Doc shaking hands when they do finish off the last cowboy on horseback <laughs> riding at full tilt. It's mm-hmm. really really odd, aw- I mean, I, I I'm always impressed with this uh, horse stunt stunt work. It's dangerous. It's hard to capture on film. It's expensive. And there's a lot of it in this film. And uh, it's great. It's
1: great. Yeah. And I uh, think they did a great job of delineating the, the brothers. Um, each of them feels like its own, their own independent character. Right. It doesn't feel like, well, let's just combine all the herbs into a single character and then give them all these lines. Um, it feels like they're very different characters. Um, they want different yeah. things. Uh, They react differently to to prompts. It they did a good job there, especially since like you can tell, like it starts
0: bothering the brother. Like there's a like right even before they even bring it up, like you can tell like Sam Elliott's really having a hard time swallowing. Yeah. what they're doing to this town and what, and what they're allowing to happen. And then there's a scene where like, they almost run over this little boy and he saves him. His mother's got this ugly slash, like, you know, we've seen unforgiven. We know how this works. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, him going against Wyatt. And then you think that the baby brother's going to back Wyatt's play, but then turns out he's been deputized. And like I, I, it, it's this. There's a scene where, like, because you know, Wyatt's still the holdout, and he's like, "You guys are going to give us killed, and you shouldn't do this, and you didn't that." And then he's like, "All the same, Virgil, maybe you should swear me in, because he knows he's he's yeah. not going to stay out of this when the whole family's in on it." Um, there's also a really great moment um, where you know Wyatt's saying goodbye to his posse, with the exception of Doc Holliday, because he's back sick, and this one, and you know he's going off to die, and they all know it. And the guy says, I ain't got the words when he comes to say him. And I'm like, God, I got to remember that because a lot of times when someone's dealing some heavy shit, you try to like say, oh, I know how you feel. Or I went through this or like, but like, I ain't got the words. Like who fucking does in this situation? Yeah.
1: And it's a great line. Um, yeah. And the um, yeah. moment that he and, and Doc Holiday have. Um, yeah, I think it is when, yeah, you know, Holiday's resting because he's sick out at uh <laughs> What my notes auto corrected to Charlatan Heston. Uh, <laughs> pretty <laughs> hilarious. Charlatan. But yeah, uh, out at Henry Hooker's ranch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're talking about what makes guys like uh, Johnny Ringo and whatnot do what they do. Um, and then Kilmer uh, Holiday sums it up as just like, it's there's this hole inside them that they, no matter how many t- people they kill or, whatever can never fill and it's it's revenge like they're trying to get revenge for being born and you feel like in that performance in that moment doc holiday understands that intrinsically right there, mm-hmm. there's some there's some outlaw part of him that would be the same guy if things broke a little differently
0: yeah and he knows like you know he used to be a doctor he was like a southern you know, aristocrat you know like he Like these guys, like they have this feeling that like I was born for something better and now I'm here or because I didn't, you know, like my daddy beat me and was a drunk and killed my mom when I was three. I don't know what these guys details, but like, yeah, they're just like, why did you, why did you give me all these skills and abilities and then put me into the fucking squalor? Like why, you know, like, and and they're just trying to get, yeah, revenge for being born. Another a great, great line. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, like I said, the, the the true emotional climax of the film is Doc's d- d- death and, you know, yeah. Wyatt Earp, well-meaning, you know, and like they, they had this uh, they had this like Elizabeth Shue uh, leaving Las Vegas character. This this soft, sweet Hungarian devil that's like I that. I thought uh, let me talk about that for a minute. I remember because I've I've seen this movie like fucking man and boy. I I saw this movie early on because every once in a while I've mentioned that my mom would pull rank and like we would watch a rated R movie because you know whatever for whatever reason you know (laughs) she she like did that with like Schindler's List or like JFK. And then every once in a while my old man would do it, Mm. and like my dad loved fucking westerns, so he made it known that he was going to rent like and we're going to watch it, and I and I watched it with him. Um, but I remember like really hating that character, like, damn, maybe doc could have lived if he had stopped the drinking and the smoking and the degenerate gambling and the fucking crazy late night sex sessions and all that stuff. And every time I watch it, I'm like, I think she does the right thing. Like after the doctor says, doc, you got to stop this. or are you going to die? And, and she instantly lights up a cigarette and starts blowing him. And, and he, and he's like, you might, you might be the antichrist. Doc wanted to die with his boots on and mm-hmm. he really tried hard and he didn't. And that seems to him and why it's like the only thing sadder than me being stuck here is you being stuck here with me for no goddamn reason. Like, I know you're my best friend. Yeah. I know you love me. And if you do go out there and live your life, cause that's I promise you, brother, if we were in the opposite situation, I would not be here playing game cards with you. Yeah. And Kilmer did a hell of a job that like one single tear to get squeezed out, as he's saying, like, if you ever loved me as a friend, then you would get at. I it's it's great. And it sucks that there's four or five more minutes of movie that we don't care about. <laughs> and like even the movie doesn't care about like he comes to Dana right. Del- Delaney. I, don't, I, I, I somehow he's lost all of his money. I don't know how. You know, because he, he was sure. he was. They, they made, they made it seem like he was like super fucking rich. He lost. I like,
1: I don't know how we're going to live. And I'm working. And she's like, ah, eh, my family's rich. Of and course, the movie's like, of fucking course they are. It's the only way that in the wild west, fuck, it's the only way ever today in, in modern society that you can just totally blow off, uh, hard work and a life, right? Like yeah. you gotta, you gotta eat to live. You gotta work to eat. Yep. Not her, because her family's fucking rich. Why not? She'll just be this, I don't know, debutante? Is that—is that the word for it? Probably, uh, yeah, the, sure. You know, she just goes around doing whatever the hell she wants because her family's got money. Hang God, what a luxury. What a fucking Billy luxury. Billy <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, who we haven't talked about, who is just a very pretty man in this film. Uh, sure.
1: Yeah, that's, that's his I,
0: but, the, but I felt like when she goes, "Don't worry, my family's rich." Is like the the movie literally took the script and just threw it in the air and said, "Who gives a fuck?" You know, now now yeah. kiss and swirl in, in the snow, they started um, the end crawl where it was like, "Oh, they went on to do you know whatever." Yeah, and Doc, like I, I love his quote, like when he's like, "You know, what did you want?" And he's like, "I just want to live a normal life." And he says, "There is no normal life. There's just life, and mm-hmm. you leave you 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 got to live it to the hilt. That's all you can do." How true uh, words to live and die by. If you're Doc Holliday, um, what else? Uh, did, oh, I got one other question. Um, why do you think that Doc Holiday looks at his feet and says, now this is h- funny right as he dies? I don't know. I've, I don't know for sure. Cause I've, I haven't actually uh, looked into this, but I've, I've appreciated that he's referring to the whole like die, like cowboy dying with his boots on and how ironic it is that he's not like after the life that he's lived, all the fucking shit that he's done, the people he's killed, the people he's swindled that here he is going to die as like, you know, just this old dude wasting away in a bed. Makes sense. But, uh, I don't know. That's one of the, 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 the mysteries of the, the, the film that, uh, uh, I've, pondered
1: these these many years. Yeah. All right, there's one other thing we definitely have to talk about. Um I mentioned my confused uh preteen relationship with this movie uh came out at the same time as this epic Kevin Costner wider movie which I thought was boring and I wasn't even about to go watch it. The other thing that confused the hell out of me as a kid and I always associated with this movie is the the pizzas. The tombstone pizzas. <laughs> I don't know why, but as a child, I always thought that they named the Tombstone pizzas after this movie. A- am I crazy no. to think that the Tombstone commercials were Western themed? They totally are. Because I remember Western the slogan, themed. like, what do you want on your tombstone? And, and they'd always approach him like the lawman comes in with the gun. What do you want on your tombstone? As the guy's about to be hanged or whatever? And he says pepperoni and cheese. And they all go. What? And then they bring in a pepperoni and cheese pizza to him. Yeah. No, I I I just quickly looked up and apparently
0: this company was founded back in the 60s and it's named after the fact that the original place these pizzas are served, the Tombstone Tap, was a like a bar and pizza parlor that was across the street from a cemetery. Okay. So So no relation
1: to this movie whatsoever, even though no relation Western to the themed movie. ads
0: and okay yeah and and apparently they came up with what do you want on your tombstone in like the 80s as like as like uh i don't know there's some kind of neo-western thing and they just thought it would be uh what do you want on your tombstone like you know
1: pepperoni yeah. and mushrooms i mean it's a cool so, campaign i still remember it to this day so clearly it it's worked, the officially licensed pizza of, right uh <laughs> the doc holiday's favorite
0: pizza doc holiday's favorite pizza that's right that's right it's like that's the thing that killed him he, he the doc said if he if he if you eat one more pizza, holiday, you're gonna you're gonna be pus- pushing up daisies. And he goes, well, uh, make mine a huckleberry because mm-hmm. I wanna <laughs> order it in Latin. pizza. <laughs> in all pizza right. veritas. Uh, That's all I yeah, got. Yeah, no. I'm I'm so glad uh, that Brent commissioned this for us. Brent, thank you very much for your support. I hope you enjoyed your own personal uh, pan podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, had a lot of fun. This has been on my probably top 10 things. I wanted a podcast for a long, long time. Thank you for making Jim watching this. I'm so glad that he enjoyed it as well. Uh, and thanks again for your support. If you'd like to find out how you can commission your own podcast, uh, all you got to do is go to support.baldmove.com. There's a link on there, but for commissioning it, and you can have us watch up to two ish hours of some sort of media and record a podcast about it. Find out how at support.baldmove.com. Thanks once again to Brent. Uh, thanks to everybody listening and supporting us and whatever way you see fit. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.